0: Welcome to the GamerDom Podcast. Um, this past week we had a AEW Dynamite on Wednesday, which, is, which was a fantastic wrestling show. And I do mean wrestling, not sports entertainment like WWE calls it. It's professional wrestling. And I don't care what anybody says. That's my opinion. But that two-hour show of AEW Dynamite on Wednesday was it was awesome, fantastic. I absolutely loved it. I can sit through two hours of a wrestling show, then I can't do three hours. Monday Night Raw does three hours every Monday, and sometimes I just can't. I can't sit through, sits through it. Um, AEW on Wednesdays it keeps my attention. It keeps me glued to the television. The matches they put on that night were fantastic and I'll be getting into them I absolutely loved it The I just want to go back a little bit because I haven't done a podcast lately the last one I did and as you saw was me and my best friend Tom Um, when they had their on August 20th and this was a big big deal for me Um, On August 20th, CM Punk came back to the world of professional wrestling. CM Punk has been out of wrestling almost seven years now. And to see his debut in AEW and to watch it, I felt like a kid again. I had, I literally had goosebumps going up and down. While watching his debut in in AEW. And I probably watched that. Good God. I will say probably five, six times. I probably watched. Because just how awesome. And the pop. The pop is the reaction. When I say pop. The pop that he got was so enormous. And the fans just started chanting CM Punk at the very beginning of the show. And he hit his music at the beginning of the show. And when you hear Cult of Personality, you know that's Punk coming out. And when he came out, that crowd went absolutely nuts. So you got CM Punk in AEW. Then about a few weeks later, you had their AEW All Out pay-per-view. And at that pay-per-view, you had Adam Cole debut, and you had Brian Danielson, who was Daniel Bryan, when he was in WWE. But now he's with AEW. Their roster just keeps getting stacked. And stacked. And stacked. AEW is on. AEW is just going up and up. There's no. Right now there's no going down for AEW. I have more. I, I can honestly say. I have more fun watching AEW. Because of their storylines. Because of. Of. The wrestlers that they have there, the upcoming wrestlers that they have, I am absolutely in love with AEW. Don't get me wrong, I still watch WWE. I've always watched WWE since I was a child. When it was the WWF and you had the Attitude Era. When you had like, um, during Attitude Era when you had Austin, Rock, Taker, Triple H. I mean, you had the big names back in the Attitude Era. But for but the way WWE, WWE is right now, they're they're la- they're lacking in more stars, and they're lacking creatively as far as storylines, changing wrestlers when they come from NXT to the main roster. They change their look, change their entrance. It's just when you see the wrestlers from NXT going to the main roster. There's a big, big difference. I fell in love with Rhea Ripley when she was in NXT. But when they brought her up to the main roster, they changed the way she talked, the way she the way she kind of looked. Her entrance music and there and that was still the same, so I'm happy about that. But she's Rhea Ripley hasn't been herself. And you can see when I've when I've listened to Bust and Open. You can see when, um, just to go back, when I listen to "Busted Open," when Bully Ray is talking about about Rhea Ripley, and when he watches her, even when I and when he said it, and when I actually watched her too, and I and I noticed that she's—you can see when she talks, she's trying to remember her lines because all that is just scripted. It's not just go out and go out and say it. They give her a full, a full script to follow. They, they not they just don't give her the mic and have her actually be herself, and just say what comes to her. They give her a script of lines that she has to remember, and that just and that just kills her for me. And like with Karrion Cross when he was in NXT, his entrance with Scarlett was the best entrance in NXT. His look was terrific in NXt. Then when he came up to the main roster, his entrance had no scarlet. It was more toned down. They changed his look into like a, I would say almost like a like a Roman gladiator helmet and some like leather straps that made an X that he wears. And it's just it's just absolutely disgusting. I can't stand it one bit they they they't don't, they don't know what they're doing with their wrestlers when they come up from NXT and they're changing them. so I'm happy Adam Cole went to Aew he can still be himself he can still he can still do what he does he doesn't have to change his look, he doesn't have to change his style he can absolutely be himself. And that's what I absolutely love about AEW. They're not scripted. They have bullet point like they have bullet points of stuff they need to hit, but other than that, everything just comes like from the heart and just it comes from their gut when they're on the mic when they're talking. And that's what I absolutely love because they have more freedom to be themselves, I'm not trying to be a character. And trying to push that character and not feel comfortable about the way they look, the way they dress, or just not being themselves. In the AEW, you're totally yourself. You have that freedom. And that's what I love. And getting back to Dynamite from this past week, the first match that they had on was Kenny Omega versus Brian Danielson. And this had a 30 minute time limit. Both of those guys went for that 30 minutes. It was. It got. It was a. It was a slower wrestling match, but even though it was slower, it was hard hitting. It was action packed. There were times where they sped up in the match, but it went to a time limit draw because it hit that thirty minute mark. So nobody. So nobody won the match and went down to a draw. Which. Which I liked. It went down to a draw. Me personally, I liked it because. It would just get me excited again to see them do maybe like an one hour Iron Man match or something in that in that essence. Because I for me watching and for the fans that were actually there for the match, I really did not want it to end because of how great that match was. And even when CM Punk came out came out for his Promo segment during it, uh after that match, he when he came out, he's like, "How how do I follow that match? How am I supposed to follow that? Because he know, because he even he said it, he even knows how great and how awesome of a match it was. He, he doesn't know how he's gonna follow it. So that match, I absolutely loved. Um Saint Punk's promo was really good i really loved it you kind of you kind of got that feeling of like the old cm punk where you like you can tell that he was pissed off because of what happened to him last week when he got like uh look like a spine buster powerbomb mixture on the announce table and he said he said i should be pissed but when i come out and i hear the fans i get happy but when he faced Will Hobbs at Rampage, he's going to put him to sleep. So I absolutely loved that promo by him. And he had a tag match of Steen and Darby Allin against FTR, who were normal who were called the Revival in WWE, but now they're called FTR. And uh, crap, I'm trying to remember their. It's uh, Cash Wheeler and Dex Hardwood, who are uh, who are part of FTR. But that take match, I absolutely loved. You saw Darby Strains Darby Strains being a fast-paced wrestler, high doing high flying stuff. You saw Steen being being Steen and doing what he does best, and and FTR. Is such a great tag team. There's not that many like take teams out there, but FTR right now is definitely one of the best tag team because they fought, they fought even Poly Race doesn't bust open. They follow the rules, they hold the tag rope. The tag rope is what you have to hold to get the tag. They are full blown tag team wrestling, what it is. What it has and what it always should be. And they are absolutely great. Um, And the, the last match. I'm skipping a match. It was okay. But I'm not really going to get into it. But you had Ruby Soho. Against the AEW. Women's Champion Britt Baker. And this was. Ruby Soho's. Third match. Because Ruby Soho also debuted at. All out in the uh, women's battle royal to to be named the number one contender for Britt Baker's championship. and now that, that match was really good. Of course, you, Britt Baker has two two people with red ringside, so they kind of caused distractions and brit Britt Baker was able to put Ruby Soho in a submission and Brit and uh, Ruby Soho tapped out, but it was a good match at the end. It was a good ending to Dynamite, but just from from beginning with that Kenny Omega and Brian Danielson match, everything else was I uh, would say it was hard to follow. And I know a championship is more more important an actual championship match than like a nine title match, but. If if I had if I gave an opinion about it, I would probably do Ruby Soho and Britt Picker first, then do Kenny Omega and Brian Danielson last, because of just how great that match was. Everything else from the first match of Kenny Omega and Brian Danielson after that was really hard to follow. After that match, that's just my opinion. But then you had AEW Rampage on Friday night, and I watched it yesterday, because I uh, DVR it, um, you had Powerhouse Hobbs against CM Punk, that match was really good, Hobbs is just, he is an athlete, he is strong as hell, and he he plays the heel, which is a bad guy, but he is really good in the rain, and facing someone like CM Punk, he's just gonna get he's gonna get better in the rain. And that match was really good. CM Punk did his flying elbow that he's always done when he when he was with uh, WWE. Um, he got a, CM Punk got a busted lip, but like I said, that match was really good. Um. You had Adam Cole and Young Bucks against Jurassic Express and Christian Cage. That, that six-man tag was was good. It was really good. You can see the chemistry that Adam Cole and the Young Bucks have. Because before AEW started, before Adam Cole went to WWE, he was part of Ring of Honor Wrestling. And he was with the Young Bucks. So they have that cohesion of working together in a tag team they worked really well as a tag team together um dress Express is definitely has been there since day one of aew they're definitely on the up and coming they they should get a I think they should get a towel match at some point because they they do work really well as a tag team together I love them Christian Cage is a veteran he's I mean he debuted with WWE in like the mid mid nineties, I would say. Just going off of going off of memory right now. He debuted with WWF. But Christian Cage has really done and done everything since he's since he came into the world of professional wrestling. He's done everything. And he's a great wrestler. I love Christian Cage. Um But the one match I do, I really want to talk about from Rampage is Eddie Kingston and John Maxley versus Minoru Suzuki and, um, I can't think of them to remember. Oh yeah, Minoru Suzuki and Lance Archer. That. That lights out match was just was just a hard hitting match. They they were using candlesticks, they were using trash can lids, trash cans, they were using uh I think did they Yep, they pulled a the table out too. But they tied John Max's hands behind his back and just kept beating him with a Kendall stick, just kicking him and hitting him. That match was just like I said; it was hard hitting. You saw the AEW debut of Homicide. Homicide was with TNA back then. He was a he was in a group called LAX. When he was in TNA, he just debuted with. Uh, uh, Rampage this past Friday so that was an awesome thing to see. I was a fan of Homicide when he was with TNA and to see him uh, debut with Rampage. That was an awesome moment and I couldn't I, that show I absolutely loved that show so that's my take on Rampage and Dynamite Alright, the movie portion. Uh, In the previous episodes that you can listen to, you saw that I covered just the first John Wick movie. Now for this one, I'm going to be covering John Wick Chapter 2. It's a continuation from the first one. If you remember when I talked about the first John Wick movie, when the Russian gangsters broke into his house and stole his Mustang with the second movie that's how it starts john is searching for his mustang he's driving through looks like new maybe new york is that he's driving through um he's driving the charger from the last movie he was able to get like a golden look like a looks like a golden um how do i put this like a golden rectangle that has like a design on there that's that was a key to get into the warehouse where his car is being held and when he is um the uh, russian gangster that owns the warehouse he calls him and he says you have my car but he talks to him in russian so he's able to get the car back um he starts to when he gets home, he starts to bury his his guns and everything, just trying to go back to his no- normal life before he came back into the world that he was in. But in essence of that, he gets visited by Santino Antonio, who owns the marker that John Wick gave him. So now... Santonio is looking for him to do a service for him because he owns the marker that John gave him because he owes him now. And with a marker, it's uh, symbolized as a, uh, like a blood oath, which is unbreakable. And you, when John visits Winston, you hear Winston talk to him about, about the, uh, about the marker. If you, don't do the marker, you die. If you kill the marker, if you die. If you kill the marker that holds it, you die. If you run from it, you die. So pretty much you have to do the marker and fulfill it. So when so when John meets up with Santino, Santino wants John to kill his sister, Gianna Di Antonio, because Gianna holds a seat at the high table, which is the high, which which is for high level crime bosses around basically around the world. Um. So John agrees to it. He goes to looks like a looks like a like a bank that holds, um. They have like P.O. boxes and you can see John opening the box and taking like, he's got clothes that's held in there, he's got more, he's got guns and more of the uh, gold coins in there. Basically like a backup for stuff that he needs. And you can see him slam on the table and scream because he's being, he's kind of being forced to do this. So when he goes to Rome, he goes to he goes to like another um, another hotel where he can pay with the gold coins and get and get stuff done. You see him talk to the tailor about getting new suits. He uh, when he's talking with the tailor, they they put a bulletproof lining in his suit, which basically catches the bullets and won't. It's basically like body armor and it won't penetrate, but it's a, but it's like a, not a, it's like a, I'm trying to think of the material, but it's, it's lining within the suit, so it, so it protects them, but then you see him go to, see him go to the gunsmith. He gets a rifle, he gets a shotgun, he gets some pistols then you see him walk through the the uh tombs in Italy and he's like and he's um putting the putting the shotgun in the rifle where he needs it so it be easier be easy to grab on the way out as kind of like, kind of like backups so when so when because he gets chased through the tombs after he kills Janet De when he's getting Chase through the uh, catacombs, they uh, he has the rifle to fend off them, fend off the guards from getting them. He's got the shotgun to fend off more. So they're like I said, it's basically like a backup. Yeah, yep. And the the uh, hotel that he stays at is basically the the uh, the Rome Continental Hotel, which is in Rome, kind of like the one in uh, in New York. Which is the New York Continental that he stayed at in the first one, but when as John is returning to uh, New York, Santino opens a contract for seven million f- to kill uh, John Wick, so John can't get to him because he knows, because Santino knows what's coming for him, and in the and like in the first movie, Baba Yaga is coming for Santino, which is the boogeyman. So that's why that's why Santino put a contract for 7 million out on John. But each each assassin that tried to that tried to get John is very un, unsuccessful. You got a lady playing a violin who starts to shoot him, but he's got that he still has that suit on with the armor. He kills her. You got a big um you have a big Asian guy that almost look looks like he could be like a um. I'm trying to think of the word, but he's but he's a big Asian guy, and he tries hitting him and all that, but he but he kills him. Then when he's going through, look like a like a kind like a uh like a like a subway passageway. He get uh he's surrounded by three guys and you see him go for a pencil and and just like the first movie where they say I once saw John kill three men in a bar with a pencil. He killed three men in that subway in the second movie with a pencil. So you get to see what they were talking about in the second one, which connect which really connects the dots, and which I absolutely love of how they connect the dots with that. But when he's going through the subway tunnel, he's trying to find, he, um, not trying to find, he comes across a, he comes come, come across, comes across a homeless guy, but he's not homeless. He works with the barry king. He puts a couple gold coins in his cup and asked, and John asked him to meet the bar. he says, John Wick, he wants to meet the barry king. So the guy hides him like under under some, um, looks like some tarp that he has next to him. And you see two guys walk up to him and kind of like hold like got their like hands in their, in their like their suits, like they're holding the guns trying to find him. And the homeless guy is sitting on the ground and says, Hey, do you have a quarter? And he shoots both of them with a silent, with a silencer. Then he takes John to meet the barking who, um the barking is played being played by Lawrence Fishburne. So you get to see Lawrence Fishburne and Keanu interact with each other basically almost I'd say probably almost the first time since when they were both in the matrix. So you get to see them like play off of each other. And when he's tucking on the roof asking the barking for help. Dabar King knows there's a contract out on John and he asked how much the contract is for and one guy holds up um seven fingers for seven million and he reacts with he acts with uh when he reacts to seven million, he's like, seven million dollars? Damn! We're going to Applebee's after this. <laughs> well, only Lawrence Fishburne could react to something like that. That part I absolutely loved. And John is talking to him about about going after Santino and the Barrakeen knows like what kind of hell they can come down. But he doesn't want a war with Santino because John knows how much Santino is going to like try and take over New York because of how much power that he has now. So he asked the Barrakeen for a gun. So they give him a 1911, which has a seven-round capacity. And John asked, I only get seven bullets. And the Barrakeen says back to him, $7 million gives you seven bullets. So a bullet for that gun is, he's basically saying a million dollars for each bullet. So that's why he only gives you seven, that's why you give him seven bullets. So they take him through an underground passage to where Santino is holding a party for, um, Kind of like um, holding a party to remember his sister. John walks in the middle of the party, looks at Santino. Santino sees him, and they kind of have that stare off. And John pulls out the gun, kills seven people out of ammo, so he throws the gun at a guard, hits him. He's able to kill him, and he has basically has another gun with ammo in it. And you see him when he's keep killing people, you see him keep grabbing guns because it keeps running out of ammo. Now like in other movies where they can just keep shooting and shooting and shooting people and basically now run out of ammo. Which is I love in these John Wick movies cuz you see that it's not like a not like a video game where you got infinite ammo. He's actually l- grabbing new guns and you see him reload sometimes. Well, actually you see him reload all the time. He's reloading all the time, being able to shoot more. But as Santino's running, John chases after him. And Santino goes to the um goes to the Continental for basically for Sanctuary to run from to run from John. And John walks into the Continental, asks the guy at the desk, I'm here to see Santino DiAntonio. And the guy at the desk tells him he's waiting for you in the lounge. So Santino is eating. Santino is eating while John is walking down the steps, and Winston sees him. John is standing in front of Santino, and Santino talking. Winston's trying to tell John, "Don't do this. Just walk away." He's trying to convince John not to do it because of. The consequences of his actions. And Santino is. Santino Egging him on like. Yeah John. Just walk away. And that's when. John just holds up the gun. And just shoots him. Immediately in the head. And you see. Winston's. Like mouth go down. Like. Oh boy. And he says to John. What have you just done? And you see John. Leave the Continental. He goes back to his. Goes back to his house. That got burned down by the that actually got burned down at the beginning of the movie by Santino when they first meet because John um, didn't want to take the marker and he kept saying no. So Santino was shooting like grenade launchers into his house trying to kill John and he basically burned down John's house at the beginning of the movie. But John goes back to his house with his dog and the guy at the desk walks in and tells tells John that Winston wants to meet him so they so they meet up at a park so Winston meets John at the park and he basically tells John that he has to be excommunicado which basically means he has to be excommunicated well, he has to be executed. So, so basically the the seven million dollar bounty that he had on his head from Santino, that basically got doubled to fourteen million and is offered world worldwide. And 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 being excommunicado, he like I said, he's excommunicated. He can't get any services from the continental or or basically anywhere else around the world that he basically got help from he can't get anymore. And he uh, Winston delays his excommunication by one hour, so he has a head start. And when John looks at Winston, he tells um, tells Winston, that he tells Winston, tell them all, tell everyone, that whoever comes for me, that I'll kill them, that I'll kill them all. And you see John run with his dog, run, runs with his dog away from uh, Winston, and Winston makes a call enacting uh, John's excommunicado to be active for one hour. Then then as it, as it expires, Everyone's cell phone starts triggering. And cell phones. being As John as John is running. You see the, everybody's phone starts going off. Because the contract is being sent out. And he has one. And John has one hour. Before everybody starts going after him. Because of killing Santine, Santino D'Antonio. In the Continental. John Wick Chapter 2. Is a great follow up movie to the first one. I absolutely love it. I will be covering John Wick. Uh, John Wick Chapter 3 Parabellum in a future podcast I am so looking forward to the fourth John Wick that they have planned coming out I've been a fan of these movies since the first one came out as you can tell when I was talking about it in the first the uh, previous episode of the podcast when I was talking about the movie I'm much of a fan I am of it so like I said Chapter three, I'll be talking about in a future episode. Then, when the fourth movie comes out, I'll definitely be talking about that for you guys.